0: to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 4, I was explaining on Thursday night that um, I've been reading through in my own private devotions but also in preparation for Christianity Explored, Mark's Gospel because Christianity Explored is based on um, Mark's Gospel and I want to just share um, a few verses with you uh, this evening, um, and then God willing, uh, in a couple of weeks' time, start a, a, a new series, um, more than likely in, in the book of Esther, but um, God will give clear direction for that um, by that time. But anyway, Mark chapter 4, I want to read from verse 35, well known account of Jesus' calms, the storm. That day when evening came, He said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. passage that we read earlier, I, I guess that fear is something that grips us all from time to time. And it does so, in my experience anyway, in many different ways and indeed many different levels. Some fears, some people say, are irrational. But if you have that fear, even unease, then for you, it's real. My fear or unease of cats may very well be irrational. And in the cold light of day, it probably is. I mean, they're much smaller. And a kind of good stamp of the foot or something else kind of causes them to scamper. And, and, And fear is gone. However, while that may or may not be the solution to cat fear, there are so many other fears that come upon us. And how are we to cope amidst them? Because if you have a fear about anything, then it really doesn't help the person or the situation in the main to just kind of say, get a grip of yourself. Don't be ridiculous. Sometimes, sometimes that might need to be said in love, of course. But fear is something that we all from time to time go through. And quite often it happens. Mainly. Mainly when the storms of life come flooding in upon us. And that is what happens here in this passage that we read. Jesus has spent the day teaching and evening time has come and he says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. It's just the end of another ordinary day, if, if, if a day spent with Jesus could ever be described as ordinary, but it's just another day. However, everything is about to change. And life can be like that sometimes. All of a sudden, completely out of the blue, something happens we get a phone call. We visit the doctor, and a few days later, we get a diagnosis. A bit of bad news comes, and wow, fear takes over. I recall well, very well, uh, the day that I got made redundant. The job that I was in at that time, was well paid. I just got a lovely new, fully expensed company car. Allison was about three months old. And the weekend before, a bigger house in the same area that we lived and really enjoyed living in came up for sale. And we arranged to go and view it. But then I got a, a call to go to a special meeting down in Birmingham, but kind of no problem there because, well, meetings often get called. And so Susan was going to go and view the house by herself. And almost to the exact time, the exact time that Susan was viewing this new house, I was sat down opposite my sales director To be told my job was being made redundant. Then, not quite leave your keys on the table because they've got to give you your car for a month, but that was it. My job was finished. Everything appeared to be going great guns. All in the garden was rosy. Then wallop, something hits you right between the eyes. And that could be anything. Redundancy. A diagnosis. Whatever. And I want us to look at this well-known account of Jesus calming the storm, but to try and do it through the eyes of the disciples. That small group of men who by this time had given up everything to follow Jesus... And who in the, short, in the short space of time have witnessed him driving out evil spirits, healing the sick, raising the lame, forgiving sins, and teaching like no one else has ever done before. And they come to the end of a day and they get in a boat and they set sail. And everything was rosy. Three things to notice. They followed Jesus. They questioned Jesus. And they feared Jesus. They followed Jesus. We see from chapter 1, verse 14, and following, that Jesus called his first disciples to follow him. That in chapter 3, verse 7, we read that crowds follow him. In verse 13, Jesus appoints the twelve apostles. And now here at the end of another day of teaching, he says to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And notice verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And what we need to see here is that it was at Jesus' invitation, it was at Jesus' request that they got into the boat. That is to say they are following Jesus and they are being obedient to Jesus. And so they get in the boat and off they sail. Now remember, a lot or or a good number of these disciples were experienced fishermen. They they may very well have fished in these waters before. So a sail across was no problem. And being experienced sailors, they might have even looked up at the sky and kind of thought, well, I don't know, Jesus, it looks as if it might be a bit stormy tonight. We we should maybe wait. But no. There was no even any sign of that. They got in the boat. They followed Jesus. And as they set sail, we are told almost from nowhere that a furious squall came up. Not just a squall. A furious squall. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. I don't know if you have ever, ever been in that kind of situation. I guess looking out, Graham and Ron um, have very often been in that situation. I recall being in a bit of a storm in the English Channel, we, we were going to, to France on holiday and as the boat began to set sail, wait, we waited till it had set sail, the captain announced it was going to be a bit choppy out there today. A bit choppy? I have never felt more like Jonah or these disciples that day. As waves even thinking about it now, as waves literally, literally came over the bow of this huge P&O ferry. And here was me about the only clown out on the deck, right, trying to keep my eyes on the horizon, just praying that that this journey would would be, I was almost hoping a helicopter would come and rescue, fearful, fearful didn't even begin to describe how I felt that night, or afternoon, or whenever it was. And here are these disciples, they are out at sea, they are fearing for their lives, they're going through a storm, they're facing danger, and here's the thing, brothers and sisters, not because of disobedience, but rather because of, if you like, obedience. And there's a really important point to understand here because storms, storms of whatever kind of nature will come our way. They will come our way. And it's important to realize that they will not always be as a result of wrongdoing or of sin. That was the problem that Job had. Remember the, the account of Job and his three friends? Uh, his three friends all thought, they, they, they told him that, that the storms of life that Job faced and boy, were they hard. Yeah, uh, Job, you must have done something. Yeah, for, for this to happen, Job, to go through all this, Job, you must have done something. Listen to the words, not of his three friends. Listen to the words of God regarding Job. There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Yeah, we know, don't we, the storms he went through. And maybe you're caught up in a storm right now. Maybe you're fearing what lies ahead. Maybe you're waiting on a result. Maybe you're deeply concerned about a family member. What are you to do? Well, we continue to follow Jesus. Jesus but we hold fast to two things that I think the disciples forgot. And they're there in the text. And namely this, the promise and the presence of Jesus. I think the disciples forgot that. And I'm not criticizing them for it because I would have been the same. Look closely enough, you'll see them in the verses. Firstly, the promise let us go over to the other side. Whatever was happening from point A, Jesus promised they were going to get to point B. The very fact that Jesus speaks of going over to the other side should have been an encouragement enough. He did not promise an easy ride or sail, to be accurate. But he did promise a guaranteed arrival at their destination. They weren't going to perish in the middle of that sea. And friends, that is a promise that stands true today for every believer. Jesus will get us over to the other side. Here, here, it was to the region of the Gerasians, which was actually interesting. I don't have time to kind of expand this too much, but interestingly, it was a mainly Gentile area. It was the first time that Jesus had ventured there, and that may or may not have encountered, accounted for the storm. Uh, perhaps the storm was sent as an effort to prevent reaching a man who needed delivered. However, When Jesus says, let us go to the other side, you can be sure you will arrive safely. And ultimately, for the believer, that is heaven. You know the old hymn? When all my labors and trials are over, And I am safe, safe, on that beautiful shore. Just to be near, the dear Lord that I adore will, through the ages, be glory for me. But a promise. That one day, ultimately, all storms will be over. And we will be safe on the other side. That hope, that blessed hope, keeps us going. But it can be hard. And that is where the other thing that they forgot comes in. Because in the midst of the storm, Jesus was with. They had his very presence. Yes, he was asleep in the boat, but, but, but he was with them. And it's true, sometimes we are not delivered from every storm, but we know his peace in the storm. Jesus is with us in the midst of it. Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Two great truths as we seek to follow Jesus, even in the midst of storms that come rushing upon us, because his promises and his presence is as real for us today as it was for these disciples in the boat that night. They followed Jesus. Secondly, we read of them questioning Jesus. questioned Jesus. Interesting to read that that Mark tells us Jesus was sleeping, Which, which speaks of him being At peace, even in the midst of this awful storm. Jesus sleeping. It reminds us of many Old Testament passages that speak of those who trust in God, resting and sleeping even in the face of great trial. Job 11, verses 18 and 19. Psalm 3, verse 5. Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 121. Proverbs 3, 23 to 26. And this trust that Jesus shows is actually in complete opposite to what the disciples show. As we'll see shortly by Jesus' comments, this is not about turning to Jesus and waking him up to help us. I remember preaching, I think this was the first ever passage that I preached on. Uh, uh, and I mean, like, years and years, not long after I became a Christian, I was asked to speak at a ladies' meeting in, 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 in the church we went to in Glasgow. And there was this passage, and I remember kind of using this as an illustration of waking up Jesus by your prayers. It's a sort of and the Lord's forgiven me for such stupidity. Right? That's not what this is. It's not about turning to Jesus and waking him up by our prayers. Do you know what the Bible tells us? The God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. It is about trusting God. It is about faith triumphing over fear. They will face a similar situation in a few chapters on, only this time Jesus isn't in the boat with them. He comes and he walks in the water to them. And here is Jesus being in the perfect will of God that even in the midst of a storm, he knows peace, he knows rest, he knows sleep. Psalm 4, verse 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. If you struggle to sleep at night, don't count sheep. Talk to the shepherd. But it's the disciples' reaction that we want to notice. And so, so they come and they, they, they waken him up and, and notice what they say. Try hard not to be hard on the disciples, but sometimes it's difficult. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher. They, they, it shows they hadn't even grasped yet who Jesus really is, and as I said, I don't want to be hard on them. They address him as teacher, much more than teacher. They have seen him doing much more than what a teacher would do. You see, they interpret him sleeping not as a sign of trust in God. They see it, as one writer says, his indifference to their safety in their hour of danger. Hence the question. Don't you care? The question actually expects the answer yes. But it shows us that their fear has gripped them. That fear has triumphed, if you like, over any faith that they have rather than the other way around. Much later, much later, in Mark's gospel, there's a certain amount of irony when we read of how some of these very disciples at the time of Jesus' greatest need fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it struck me that this question, this complaint, this statement, whatever we want to call it, is one that many are likely to cry out, especially in times of storms and difficulties. Lord, don't you care? Where are you? What are you doing? Why this? Why that? And f- do you know what happens? Fear. Fear takes such a hold that we move our view and our our stare at the Lord and we put it on the fear, just like Peter did when he got out of the boat and walked. As long as he kept his eyes on Jesus, he was okay. The minute his eyes went off Jesus and went on the storm, he was in trouble. And that is what can happen. When these problems and these, and I'm not making light of them, when they come upon us, we can take our eyes off the Lord to such the extent that if we're not careful, we can question his care. Don't you care? That must have cut through the Lord. Of course he cares. Of course he cares. They've had almost four chapters of the proof of his care. They've been with him. They've witnessed his power and his care and his love and his compassion. How could they dare say, Lord, do you care? Yet such is their fear that all of that's forgotten. You know, as I thought on that and kind of tried to bring it up to us for today, this, this thought really struck me. I believe that we've got so much more understanding of who Jesus is than the disciples had at this point. Yet are there not times that we can also question his care? You see, the disciples are being taught a lesson here. Slowly, and Mark's gospel is beginning to do that, they are being taught just who Jesus really is. Their faith, small as it is, is being tested here. And faith that is not tested is not faith. Don't you care? And Jesus, we are told, get up. And simply said three words. Quiet, be still. And we are told that the wind died down and it was completely calm. Now, I'm not kind of sure about this, but but my understanding is that even when the kind of wind dies down, there's still quite a bit of swirl about or whatever. But no. An instantaneous calmness. What a contrast. A furious squall into complete calm. Because Jesus spoke words. This was more than just a miracle, this was a further revealing of his deity. For with just a word, Jesus has the power to do what these men would have known only God who created the sea could do. Psalm 106, verse 9. He rebuked the Red Sea and it dried up. And here is Jesus doing something similar didn't dry up, but it brought complete calm. You see, friends, often in our storms, we just need that word from the Lord. We just need to hold fast to his promises and to his presence, knowing that even if we hold fast, he still will hold us faster. That word that brings peace. That word that brings a calmness. What are you going through just now? Whatever you're going through, allow it to speak into your very situation. The one who has control over nature and over sickness and over death and over demons comes and whispers peace to your soul. And then Jesus turns and asks him, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Brothers and sisters, and all of our following, even in the storms, may we learn to trust the one who stilled the waters. They follow Jesus, they question Jesus, Finally, and very quickly, we see that they feared Jesus. It seems, as you read this passage, I don't know, you can talk to me later about it, but it seems to me that actually this miracle kind of brought greater fear to them than the storm did. <coughs> for, for we're told that they were terrified. It doesn't tell us that they were that terrified about the way, but it tells us they were terrified about what Jesus did. And he asked the question that, in all honesty, we all need to ask and that we all need to answer regarding Jesus. Who is this? Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And we need to remember that that for the Jew... And all of these disciples have been just For the Jew, the sea, was a place of chaos and evil. Yet here is one. Here is Jesus speaking words and showing mastery over it. Maybe their thoughts turned in the cold light of day, probably not then, but maybe in the cold light of day their thoughts turned to Psalm 89. O Lord God Almighty, who is like you? You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Who is this? More of his deity is being revealed. This is Jesus. And their fear, perhaps even awe, is appropriate. As I've said, they've already witnessed him showing authority over sickness. They've they've witnessed him forgiving sins. Again, something that only God could do. And now, they see his authority over the sea and the wind. And yet, friends... It's not fear that Jesus looks for. It's faith. It is trust. And will this fear that they show turn to trust? And the rest of Mark's gospel begins to unquestion, sorry, unpack that question. Will you trust? Will you allow your faith to overcome the fear? Are you following Jesus? That's the most important thing. No one said it would be a bed of roses. That's the problem with the prosperity gospel. You know, when troubles come, There will be storms. Some of us may be very well caught up in them just now. But when they come, we we need never question his care. How can we question the care of one who went to a cross for us? We need not fear, but simply trust, knowing that in the end, he will safely bear us over to the other side. This night, forgive all the hymn quotes, this night, put your hand in the hand of the man who stilled the waters. Put your hand in the hand of the man who came to sea. And let his words, and let his promise, and let his presence speak peace, perfect peace, into your heart and into your situation. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word.